Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom. Hello, this is Roxanne Gay and Tressie McMillan Cottom, and we wanted to bring you this excerpt from a very special episode of our show, Here to Slay, because, Tressie, tell us why. Because there's a lot going on in the world, and our listeners have told us time and time again they want to know what we think, especially about what we could only call white nonsense, honey. That is the fever that has got this nation in its grip right now as people try to take over this nation in the interest of white people and while Black people stand in the gap. These are things that are happening in real time, and so we wanted to speak to you about them in real time. And so you can listen to the full episode and our interview with the always interesting and delightful Sarah Silverman, where we talk about the political climate and how to make comedy that responds to the world that we're living in while threading that fine needle of what's acceptable and what's not. So you can get all of this goodness by going to luminary.link slash slay. From Luminary, this is Here to Slay, the Black feminist tired of everybody's bullshit podcast of your dreams. I'm Tressie McMillan Cottom. And I am Roxanne Gay. On Here to Slay, Tressie and I talk about this world that we're living in, and right now we're living in a world where a coup just happened. There's a lot going on in our country today, and it's clear that that is what we will be talking about. You know, I hate it when this happens. We'll have this wonderful plan. If this is not a great example of how whiteness works, it just came and upended our whole thing. We were hoping to have a nice, normal conversation about the coming year, because we made it to 2021. Mm -hmm. We were going to talk about how to get through. We were going to do a little vision boarding thing. But now we have to talk about, well, you know, you know what we got to talk about. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Tressie, (laughs) you know, I'm from, well, my parents are from Haiti, so, and I've spent a fair amount of time there when I was growing up. And so coups are not foreign things to me. So it imagine my surprise when one <laughs> happened here in the United States on a Wednesday morning yeah. afternoon, I guess, in their in their time zone. And it was really quite surreal to be minding my own business and then my parents are living with us for a while and my dad texting me turn on the news mm-hmm. and I turned on the news and we see that there are a bunch of MAGA people storming the, the Capitol building like it's the Bastille and uh, I've never seen my dad as angry as he was oh. yesterday he was apoplectic because oh. He could not believe this was happening in the United States. Mm-hmm. He could not believe it was happening because people talk so much shit about Haiti and mm-hmm. other developing nations where government and democracy are a bit more fragile than they are here mm-hmm. or they were. Uh, so it's been interesting. What what was yesterday for you? Yeah, so I often feel <laughs> I often feel like I'm living in the twilight zone because 
you know, we are ostensibly all watching the same events, yet mm-hmm. I am having what feels like sometimes a vastly different experience of them. Um, and we should note, by the way, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, January the 7th. We are both really fresh off of all of the events uh, and things are changing very rapidly. What I'm really hoping, Roxanne, is we are going to leave the studio today and the 25th Amendment has been invoked and uh, we start to take white violent insurrection seriously because that's mm-hmm. the very first thing that happened, uh, by the way. As the people were gathering in Washington, D.C., By the way, at the invitation of the president of the United States of America, um, and listen, I work with people who study things like the Proud Boys and QAnon and white racist rhetoric online. January 6th had been a known date on uh, Mm -hmm. online uh, forums for several months. I mean, it's not even my direct research area. And I knew that January 6th was a thing. Mm-hmm. People had been writing and blogging about it. My colleague Zenep Tefekshi, which many of you probably know from her work at the New York Times and at the Atlantic on the pandemic. We are still in one, by the way. Um, but also like my other uh, colleagues, Shannon McGregor and all these people have been talking about January 6th for months. Mm-hmm. This was not a they secret. They had T-shirts. They, I was just about to say they had swag, Roxanne. They have swag. They had a whole lingo around January 6th being the day. Mm-hmm. And so the president obviously also knew January 6th was a day because a man who has not bothered to do any of the presidential duties related to, oh, getting briefings about covid getting any top security briefings, did find time to go give a speech to the QAnon crazies who were gathering on January 6th. So he knew the event was happening, had a speech plan, shows up, does his thing, and then tells them, listen, this isn't going to stop until you storm Capitol Hill. Let's go do it. Of course, knowing his his ass wasn't going to do anything. So this was a known date. So I wasn't surprised about the event going on. Here's what I was somewhat surprised by. They didn't even pretend to have taken the event seriously. They did not even give us the performance of law and order yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Capitol Police treated this like a high school Uh, field trip. So by default, had just opened up Capitol Hill to people who had been broadcasting for months that they were coming to do damage and coming to do violent insurrection. Um, That, to me, felt like an invitation for white people to reclaim this nation as a white-first, white-only, white-dominant nation, not just by the president of the United States, although he is the worst actor, but when the police are not there, when the military are not there, when you don't even have basic crowd control Mm -hmm. procedures in place, that is a de facto invitation for people to come reclaim their, quote unquote, their nation. It felt like a message to me, to people like me, that our time had come to deal with the limits of our actual citizenship in this country. It feels like, not the end, I'm sorry, everybody. I don't even think we're at the midway point. this is the beginning. Yes, we are at the beginning. This is absolutely the beginning. Because I've already written about this, and the, the thoughts I wrote are not particularly profound, but it's just a lot of anger and frustration mm-hmm. and, and incredulity. Because there are images and video of the Capitol Police 
practically opening the doors of the Capitol for mm -hmm. the insurrectionists to enter the building and then proceed to desecrate. And I don't hold buildings holy, but to, they proceeded to yeah. desecrate the spaces and mm -hmm. uh, take pictures in Nancy Pelosi's office. And who knows what confidential and classified material they left with because people abandoned their posts immediately. Mm -hmm. There are Capitol cops who were taking selfies and people were like, mm -hmm. oh, they're getting intel. And I was like, bullshit. Those people are taking selfies yeah. because they are part of this. And That's so right. we've always known that white supremacy was well represented in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. But we have more proof now. And are we going to do anything with this proof? Are are our elected officials going to respond to the insurrection with more than their nonsense speeches last night, full of righteous rage and, and American pride and so on? Like, we, this is not who we are. Well, yes. This is exactly yeah. who we are. Can you save me? I was up until 3 a.m. for some sadistic reason mm -hmm. watching I was too. Uh, the <laughs> uh, the House and Senate debates because this is what had happened. They were they were in session uh, to certify um, the Electoral College votes. But in response to the Electoral College votes, you had a group of senators who had lobbied um, an objection uh, to certifying uh, the votes. So there was a planned sedition also happening, by the way, in the House. There was So both of these things are happening in tandem because they are coming from the same roots. The fact that you have duly elected people sitting in the House who have infiltrated uh, the government uh, were also doing the exact same work that the people who stormed Capitol Hill were doing. They use slightly different tactics. But again, that's what white supremacy does. On the one side, some people, you know, threaten uh, to burn it down. And then the people on the inside shape that into a more reasonable sounding overthrow of the government. Both of those things were happening yesterday. Uh, and so the debates continued well into the night. And here's the thing. People showed up yesterday. There are images of the violent rioters having, um, you know, the flexible, the flexi cuffs that cops use mm -hmm. to arrest people. Pipe bombs were found. Uh, people uh, came prepared to, in their own words, take hostages. And I've got to ask, who, which hostages, who do they think were going to be the hostages? They were coming to take uh, the people who then reconvened last night and some of them still voted mm -hmm. to disenfranchise the entire American public last night, saying that the election was not legal, right, or proper. Even after people had showed up and told them to their face, we're here to detain you and hold you hostage. We are here to break into your place of work. We are here to instill fear in you so that you will do what we want you to do. And many of those people still stood with those people after they left last night, which, by the way, they just strolled away after walking in. Uh, to the Capitol building, one of the what is supposed to be one of the most secure buildings in the United States of America. If you've ever been to that building, even as just a tourist, you know how secure it is. It has been more secure since COVID, by the way. I've been once uh, since COVID happened. They just strolled in. They did. Like it was a Starbucks. They did. Right? And they were there to use the Wi-Fi. And they strolled out without consequence. Yes. And, and then at the end of it, literally just went back to the hotel and had dinner. Yeah. Nobody's chasing them. Uh, <laughs> nobody, you know, stopping them at the train station. Roxanne, let me tell you something. My mother was in town earlier in the summer, and she and I went to a 
peaceful protest in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I was doing a teach-in for some of the protesters, and my mom wanted to come along, relive some of her glory days, I think. <laughs> she overdressed for the protest. So let me just say, she she ain't got it like she used to. She overdressed mm. for the protest. Uh, but we showed up, and we do the thing. Uh, when we got within about a mile and a half of where the protest was going to be, a police car pulled up beside us. And admittedly, I've got on a shirt that might say, you know, all cops are bastards, admittedly. And uh, and frankly, we were black in the car and we we're headed towards the protest. The police car followed us all the way there until we parked. And I see my mom, you know, slide into her thing. She starts writing down the, the number on the cop car. She knows what she's doing, apparently. I was actually quite impressed. But we sat out there with mostly a bunch of young people who had come to do a sit-in in the park and talk about democratic control of local government. And we were surrounded by cops the entire time. They followed us when it was over, followed our car until we were back on the highway. That's what a peaceful protest looks like with a senior citizen in my car oh, for a sure. month ago. We don't get to protest the way clearly white people get to protest. They get to do whatever the hell they want to do for as long as they want to do. And there are no consequences. There were fewer, at least as of 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in Los mm -hmm. Angeles time, there were fewer than 100 arrests. There were, I think, around 55, 56. And mm -hmm. Black Americans and people of color more broadly have long had to swallow bitter pills about what it means to mm -hmm. be Black in America and what it means to live with white supremacy and what it looks like to see white supremacy in action. But last night, the entire world saw it. And we saw it for hours and hours and hours. And we're going to continue to see it because I agree, Tressie, this is not the end of something. No. This is the beginning. And, you know, people have been for years talking about the last gasp of white supremacy. And what it is, I think, is just the regular in and out daily breathing of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, Trump is a cult leader and race is his church. And it's yeah, um, yeah. It's the only thing he, he believes yeah, in. It, it's truly uh, outside of craven power. Like that he hasn't been removed from office yet, despite encouraging, inciting the insurrection, despite even when telling people to go home saying, "We, I love you, I won by a lot, and so on. He's clearly m mentally ill, in addition to being evil. And mm -hmm. he has the nuclear codes. And people are now, of course, like, you know, rats leaving a sinking ship, resigning from the administration, but it's not enough. I hope we see the 25th Amendment invoked because I'm just disgusted. That's the real thing I was waiting for at three o'clock yeah. this morning. I am not completely sold that Mike Pence is quite as angry with Donald Trump uh, as he needs to be mm. to accept the 25th Amendment petition being presented to him. And I was looking for evidence last night that he really was. Listen, Mike Pence is not an institutionalist. He's not a statescraft guy. This is a guy who's thinking about his post-election money-making potential and survival. He, uh, Pence, you know, gave that statement, which was very presidential last night, about time to get back to work. We will not be intimidated. 
I am not sure, not yet convinced that he is angry enough for his own self-interest to suggest that he uh, do a full throttle rejection of Donald Trump, which is what uh, the 25th Amendment would require him to do. But that's what I was really looking for at three o'clock in the Mm -hmm. morning. If by the end of the day today, uh, this Congress and this administration and this cabinet do not see the danger to their own livelihoods and not just their money-making potential or political power, but quite frankly, if they are not scared for their life, because those people have told them, we're coming for you. If they are not scared for their life, nothing is going to make them do the right thing. If this doesn't do it, nothing that the public will do will make them afraid enough to do the right thing That's what we are always saying, though, about white supremacy. It eats its own self. Mm -hmm. You think it is only here to eat us. It eats its own self. White supremacy kills white people, too. (laughs) And it harms white people, too. They never fully grasp that until it takes something from them. And in the next few months, one of these politicians Mm -hmm. is going to... Mm-hmm. face something mortal. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to conjure any sort of bad juju into the world, but I think it's going to happen. I think that there's nothing that will stop. It's not conjuring when the people tell you. That's right. It's it's just like them saying we're coming on January 6th. Yes, they say exactly what they're going to do. When they said it. Yeah. So talking about being black in America, by the way, in the black experience of knowing this to be true, knowing that this is how white supremacy works, knowing that what we saw yesterday was the routine business of white supremacy reclaiming what it thinks is a nation that is at the brink of becoming too brown to be the United States of America. Let me tell you what the other thing about being a black person is. (laughs) Waking up and being thrilled that your hard work and organizing had paid off in the state of Georgia, y'all, the seat of the freaking Confederacy as it lived and breathed in the United States South, sent a black man and a Jewish man yesterday to the Senate. And in doing so, recalibrated the balance of power uh, in Congress in favor of the Democrats, maybe giving President-elect Biden a chance at actually governing. Uh, Stacey Abrams, in particular, having such a vision for what Georgia could be in this election, pulling it the fuck off Mm -hmm. in conjunction with many, many on the ground organizers and activists themselves, predominantly black women led, waking up to that and being thrilled only to have white people waving the Confederate flag on the grounds of uh, Congress being how your day ends. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what it's like to be Black in America. I hope Stacey Abrams gets whatever she wants from the Democratic Party. Uh, People keep saying that she should run the DNC, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's got better ambition than that. Uh, Running the DNC is just such a selfish thing to want for somebody who has demonstrated that they're a fucking genius. I know, it's like... Can I just say, as as black people... (laughs) Let me just say, as black people who are genius in our own right, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Not old yet. (laughs) (laughs) 
how insulting it is when white people think that they are giving you credit uh, for being great and the best they can hope for you is to continue to serve them in some middle-level bullshit-ass job because that's what leading the DNC is, by the way. Leading the DNC is a middle-management job. Who looks at black genius <laughs> like Stacey Abrams and decides that, oh, no, I wish she'd run the DNC. Of course she would, you selfish ass. But what would be best for Stacey? Because she's earned it. She's earned the right to do whatever the hell she and wants to do. And what kills me is that I, I I told someone, I think we can have better ambition for her. And someone was like, that's where she's needed. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? A parrot. Where she's a parrot needed. could fucking handle running the DNC. I could do it. So come on. <laughs> Let's stop with the nonsense. Let's And where stop. she's needed. They sound like they're talking about the housekeeper. You know, that's the thing. That's what I mean. That's the thing. And I I, I think I'm going to write a piece for my newsletter about the rhetoric around Stacey Abrams. And I've actually been critical of Stacey Abrams in the past year mm-hmm. because I thought she was carrying too much water for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And she didn't even get rewarded for it. Yep. Um, but that's okay because she rewarded herself. By working her ass off and getting the damn thing done. Mm -hmm. She is the smartest woman in the room. You and I both thought that when we interviewed Mm her. Oh, and I continue to think that. I don't say that lightly. And so I am really excited for her and whatever Mm -hmm. she chooses to do. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what she's going to do next. I am... Listen, she could run off into the sunset for me and tell us, listen, all she's doing from now on is writing romance books. And I would go, I think that's brilliant. Thank you. I think that's totally fair and reasonable. (laughs) Yes. Enjoy it. Uh, I'm here for it. uh, And we'll sign up uh, to buy her book because we're going to need it. As it turns out, Roxanne, I think we're going to need all of the lightheartedness uh, that we can stand because I think this is I think this is the new normal for the foreseeable future. You know, we've had some interesting conversations with our guests over the past while. And uh, just before the holidays, we actually had a very interesting conversation that remains relevant with comedian Sarah Silverman, who is one of those people who's intensely political. She even spoke at the Mm -hmm. DNC convention. She's absolutely engaged with the political process and what it means. And we were able to have a very interesting conversation with her about comedy, about Trump, about why he is so charismatic to his followers and some of those Mm -hmm. relationships. Listen, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, join us over on Luminary, where you can hear the rest of this episode and all of our episodes. Visit luminary.link slash slay That's luminary.link slash slay. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 